Hello there. Don't have a good day. Have a great day. Talk to me, Goose. You steal a declaration of independence. Why so serious? Well, I could do this all day. Are you watching closely? Welcome, everybody, to the One-Eyed Film Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Mossberg. Today, we have Will Carlson joining us again. Hey, guys. Good to have you back, Will. Good to be back. Today, we're going to be answering the question, is Star Wars dead? Now, I know, obviously, it's not dead. It's still a franchise that's been continually growing, especially since Disney bought it, but that's what we're going to talk about, because this is one of the franchises that has been causing some frustration with the fan base. I wanted to start a series on a topic that covers multiple movies and even a franchise in general. Future episodes we'll cover is Marvel dead or is DC dead? We'll talk about those things, but also expect some more topical episodes that'll cover many different movies at once that have the same theme going throughout all of them. But with that, Will, I want to ask you, do you think Star Wars is dead? I would say that it is dead, at least very much in the sense of like the, the core ideology kind of behind it has very much seemed to withered and died. And I suppose just for a bit of context, I'm not exactly the biggest Star Wars nerd out there. My first introduction into the series was watching the, actually going in chronological order, watching like the original prequel ones and then watching the original trilogy and then eventually when the new sequel trilogy came out watching that in order that's kind of my main introduction i have watched some of the clone wars but i'm not as much of a star wars fanatic as other people are which is fine there's it's a very huge fan base it's got lots of people who are very very interested in it it's got a very extensive extensive history and lore and stuff but just from my perspective yeah it's and looking back on it, I can definitely say that there's definitely been some change between kind of the earlier releases and movies and TV shows and stuff that I watched as a kid and the ones I watched up as I was going through high school and stuff. Yeah, I was a huge Star Wars fan when I was little. My dad showed me the original trilogy and then I slowly got to the prequel trilogy. Those, I think, are really good. I've just loved the world building and we'll talk about some problems with world building, at least for Disney in a little bit but the original six i think are great but there is also a really big frustration among the fan base with the new films the new things that disney is putting out that are just disappointing and we're here to talk about that we're here to discuss the future of star wars and what we hope to see and just in general what our thoughts are on the movies that have been released so after disney bought lucasfilm things were going pretty well. They really were pushing the branding of Star Wars in the Disney parks and showing that Star Wars is now part of the Disney family. And that was cool to see. I don't really remember that. I started getting into Star Wars a lot more when The Force Awakens released. And I think the way that The Force Awakens started off the sequel trilogy was pretty good. I remember seeing the first trailer for The Force Awakens and getting really excited. The problem was they promised a lot in the trailer that I don't think they'd fully delivered on in the story of the seventh movie. And as I look back on The Force Awakens, it is a very obvious ripoff of A New Hope. I think that's pretty obvious. Three friends from different backstories come together and try and blow up a big world-ending planet, as well as one character having a duel with the bad guy. It's I think... got a desert planet, you know. What's that? And it's got a desert planet, too. And, you know, it, there's a lot of references in just the first film to callbacks and uh, cameos and original characters like you know Han Solo shows up and then Princess Leia and stuff like that which is 
kind of what you'd expect, but it's definitely one of the big frustrations a lot of people had is the, how they changed some of these characters. In particular, people really, really didn't like how Khan kind of just seemed to stay, almost revert to his original type of roguish character. And I can remember too, just kind of thinking about it, when I, I think I actually remember first watching the trailer, I think I was at a bowling alley with some friends and my uncle said, hey, check this out, look at this. And I saw it and it looked cool because I didn't even know that you know, Star Wars is getting some new series. And so for me, that was really exciting to an extent. I wasn't as big into it, but I was like, oh, this is cool. This is new for something I thought they weren't doing anymore. Yeah, there was an interesting feeling seeing the trailers for these movies, the feelings that we had back then versus now when we're looking back on it. Because I remember every single trailer that released, I got excited for. I wasn't that much of a film critic back then. I don't think I'm that much of a film critic now, but here I am with a film podcast, so what can I say? But the excitement that comes from seeing those Star Wars trailers was really cool. And looking forward from when those released, I was excited. Looking back now, I'm pretty disappointed. We'll talk about that here in a second. Yeah, I can distinctly remember a couple of times when, I think it was actually you, because you were very much into like the breakdowns of everything even especially marvel but i remember a couple times you know like when the last jedi and i think the rise of skywalker when those were kind of coming out we would watch like the trailers and discuss and say oh look at this thing look at this little detail and there's the breakdown videos by new rock stars i think in particular that we really liked and you know we just dug into that stuff because it was like oh what, what more can we learn about this new film or whatever mm-hmm. that was something I, I very distinctly remember from high school and such yeah i remember when i was probably a sophomore My friend Wyatt Walls and I would talk at youth group for hours about Star Wars. Like, we loved Star Wars so much. And I think that was right when The Force Awakens was releasing that my love for the franchise was peaking. And yet it was soon to come crashing down, especially in the coming years with the release of the second two parts of the trilogy. I think the biggest downfall of the sequel trilogy was not that it had multiple directors, because the original trilogy had three different directors, respectfully. Even though the story was George Lucas's and he had creative vision for all the six movies, the problems did not come from multiple directors. As much as I want to blame it on J.J. Abrams passing the torch to Ryan Johnson and then back to J.J. Abrams, there was some problems with that because there was not unity in the storytelling. That's why a lot of problems that were presented in one movie were attempted to be fixed in the next movie because the directors did not have unified vision for the movie and I think the overall arching problem with the sequel trilogy is that there was not a plan for the whole thing. They just kind of started shooting things in the dark and whatever stuck, stuck. And that was disappointing as the series went on to realize they didn't have a plan for their overarching story. This is pretty obvious when you realize that J.J. Abrams wanted to do something with Snoke and Rey's parents and all those things that were setting up something to be expounded on in the next couple movies. But in episode 8, when Ryan Johnson took over, it was obvious that he didn't want anything that Abrams had set up because he killed Snoke, he said that Rey's parents were nobodies, and then by that point, we were left with what do we do for episode 9? Those plot points have already been summed up in episode 8. So in episode 9, when Abrams took it back, he kept everything, obviously, that was in episode 8, but he revamped it so that, yes, Ray's parents were nobodies, but they were also the son and daughter-in-law of Palpatine, and Snoke was a clone of Palpatine, or whatever he was. Obviously, Abrams was disappointed in how Johnson handled that, but by killing off Snoke, like Johnson did, it left no bad guy for episode 9. So I don't really blame J.J. Abrams for bringing back Palpatine because Johnson had really messed with his story. Snoke could have been so much more, but he turned out to be just another clone, and this is what happened 
happens when you don't have a story that's consistent or a story that doesn't have an end goal or that you've even discussed with your other writers. Like how hard is it to talk about where you want the end goal of the story to be with uh, all the other writers or the other directors? Yeah, I think that that's basically the problem of not having a clear vision, which is something we can really give credit to George Lucas for because in the original trilogy, you know, you mentioned that George Lucas wasn't necessarily always the director or, uh, or such, but he was the one who had the idea and he had the vision like he he knew what this was i mean originally he was going to make star wars a single a film but then he's like no this is too much too long to be a single film but that that's a very important point because it's basically meaning that he has this single story in mind you know he knows what he wants to do know what he wants to say and he's going to tell it he has the beginning and the end. That's very important in structuring any plot, movie, story, whatever. And I think with the Star Wars movies, a lot of it is just, remember when? Hey, remember this thing you used to love as a kid? Ooh, what if we did something different a little? But they didn't really have a clear vision of what they wanted the story to be or end with. At least with different directors and stuff, it makes it a lot more difficult to achieve whatever story because people had different ideas behind it instead of just with george lucas who was like no this is what it's going to be this is how it's going to go i've got it yeah he had a plan obviously he was one person who had complete creative control over the first six movies and he had a plan for the sequels like he had everything planned out obviously he planned out the original trilogy he planned out the prequels he knew where the end goal was whether it was luke's redemption vader's redemption whether it was getting anakin to become darth vader Obi-Wan to become the old man in the desert, all of that, he had a plan for it. And even before he sold Star Wars to Disney, he had a plan for the sequel trilogy. He wanted Luke Skywalker to become the new Jedi Master, training younglings so that he could reignite the Jedi Order. And Leia would be restarting the Republic. They would continue to follow the original trilogy characters while also introducing old ones. He loved the idea of bringing Darth Maul back because even though he killed him in episode one, he supported the idea of bringing him back for the Clone Wars. And now he would return an older Darth Maul in the sequels as the bad guy who was training another Sith to be the main villain of the sequels. And we would have a storyline about stormtroopers who now didn't have a job after the war, and it wouldn't be that unlike Finn's story. Except unlike Finn, we would actually follow their story throughout the trilogy. Finn, they just kind of forgot that he was a stormtrooper. I heard somebody say that if you ignore Finn's origin story in The Force Awakens and just make him like a dock worker that volunteered for the resistance, the way he was treated in episodes 8 and 9 would be no different, because they just forget that he was a stormtrooper. He just cheers whenever he shoots down basically his friends. I know he probably didn't know them personally, but the fact that he was not explored at all is very disappointing and Lucas would have explored that a lot more and I'm disappointed that they didn't even take notes except for you know maybe how would we deal with a moral stormtrooper besides that they really didn't take anything from George Lucas's ideas I mean yeah you can see like a couple of the ideas I suppose in the sequel trilogy because I've heard a little bit about that but I didn't really know too much about what George's vision would be but it, it definitely seems like an interesting story and that you can kind of see for example the stormtrooper idea that was probably developed later into the the First Order, which is said to be the remnants of the Imperials uh, in the original trilogy, who went off into the Unknown Reaches, formed this, basically just the Empire 2.0 with different designs. But it's it's very interesting to see what they went with. Uh, when I first watched it, I thought, oh, this is some interesting ideas they've got here. Thinking back now about it, I can kind of see how it wasn't implemented very well, but I could still see some very interesting plots and concepts and characters that they could have developed. And if they had like a good vision, 
origin and some good story execution, this sequel trilogy, even if it was different from what George Lucas had wanted, would have been pretty cool, honestly. I mean, I, I don't know if you've ever watched the video. I think Nando V Movies put out this video, which was really interesting. It was basically a animated short about one of the scripts that was developed for episode 9 but it was never passed through and it was very different from what the final product was and it's a lot of this stuff is like very interesting and like oh that's that's pretty cool that's a nice spin on this that's a that's a different take but a lot of it was just executed so poorly that it just leaves a really bad taste in our mouths yeah and we can talk about the overarching themes of disunity and not a good clear story to go between all the movies but we can also talk about the little things like one thing that was interesting to me from a video essay that I watched. If you guys didn't know, I'm huge about video essays because there are a lot of people who have a way with words that I don't have. I really appreciate hearing my thoughts expressed through these people's words and they have a way to describe things in movies that are just so much better. Anyways, I saw this video essay that was talking about technology in Star Wars and how it progresses. Obviously, George Lucas created a bunch of technology for the original trilogy, such as, you know, all the spaceships and all that. And then in the prequels, he went backwards and was like, okay, yeah, that hasn't been developed yet yet in the in the world it has not been developed but this is a precursor to that ship or something like that whereas when we move to the sequels nothing has changed it's 30 years later they're still flying x-wings y-wings star destroyers are still the same maybe a little bigger we still have two world ending machines one is actually a planet still and the other is just multiple world ending machines and that's what's so bad about sequels that don't have anything going for them it's like a bad tv show where you just have to make something bigger and badder than the last that it becomes ridiculous like here's a question for you is the first order a massive corporation that has billions of credits rolling in and so much support or is it a little rebellion sized army that is wanting to take over yeah and i the first order is really interesting because i think if you really try you can just dissect it and that can be a very good example of just kind of what is so wrong with the, the sequel trilogy and a lot of the stuff afterwards is they're very strange in many ways because the the lore behind them is that they're like the remnants of the old empire went into these unexplored areas and kind of just decided okay we're gonna rebuild and retake eventually but we don't really get good like size measurements like okay they spent 30 years building a giant death star in a planet okay like we're, yeah, we don't really know like how big they are. It seems that after episode seven, that okay, and that actually after episode eight, when there's like the year gap between episode eight and nine, it seems that this group has just taken over the entire galaxy but at the same time they're barely able to hold on to the galaxy because there's a coalition of free worlds i watched this really good video by one of my favorite youtube channels the template institute who does this very excellent breakdown of just how a lot of this stuff doesn't make sense like especially like the conflicts and geopolitics because the first order is like this strange thing where they're they're kind of like seem small because how can like a, a a group that was formed out of the basis of an empire take over a galaxy so quickly and it's the I mean, true, they took out the capital of the Republic, but even still, there's there's a lot of strange things going on here. But I just think the First Order is a really good example of how a lot of the stuff in the sequel trilogy just doesn't really seem to make sense. So kind of bizarre, and I think that's due to partially the lack of vision of what they wanted to do. They want, like, different people and writers and directors have different visions for what this ultimate bad guy is, or what this ultimate bad guy villain uh, organization is and so that suffers or the first order suffers in that regard and i gotta say there's a lot going on in the sequels there are a lot of plot points there's a lot of stories going on i don't want to say this definitively because there's some exceptions from the previous trilogies but the prequels had obi-wan and anakin and they were their main characters even as much as the entirety of star wars was meant to be the skywalker story the main character of 
three prequels was really Obi-Wan. Really? You think so? Yeah, definitely think that considering how Obi-Wan was a side character or very, very strong supporting character in the original trilogy, he was one of the main characters. He and Anakin were the main characters of the prequels. And we followed them, the two of them, back and forth across the galaxy. The original trilogy obviously had Luke, Han, and Leia, and they were together most of the time. Luke went off and trained with Yoda. Han and Leia stayed and had their own adventures. And they were probably two-ish stories going on at the same time. In the sequels, there's just a lot of plot points. You have Finn and Rose going off to do something in episode eight. You have Poe staying on the ship with Admiral Holdo and Leia. You have Rey going off and doing her own thing. There's a lot of stories going on, and it's very difficult to follow at times, and just way too much at once, I think. That's a good point, actually. I think what's also kind of irritating is that in the sequel trilogy, you have a lot of ideas and and plot points set up, but never really explored. Like, Finn is, I think, the epitome of this, and you've already mentioned this, but I don't, I th- I'm not sure how true this is, but there's a lot of people who are making speculations, at the very least, that ooh, maybe Finn's going to be, like, a Jedi, or he's got some Force abilities, or he's got some secret heritage, or something like that. Like, you see that even in the first in the first episode of the sequel trilogy um, in The Force Awakens when he holds the lightsaber and he fights Kylo Ren. Like, he seemed to be this big character, and then, yeah, he's just, by the end of it, he's just there, almost for comedy. And, like, you know, the Rose part, like, Rose just is kind of there, too. She's set up as something, and then nothing really happens. Or... Or I think a, a thing for me was the kind of the romance between Ray and Finn. Like in the first episode, we see something kind of developing there. Ray kisses Finn's uh, forehead, and then just yeah, that nothing happens. Even in the Rise of Skywalker, you know, there's that one scene where the entire group is basically getting pulled underneath the sand, and Finn's about to say, "Ray, I got something to say to you." I, I... and then we never get to hear him uh, say it. And a lot of people think he's going to say like, you know, "I love you." I have affections for you. I have affections for you. But he never gets to, and I guess Ray just goes for the edgy emo uh, bad guy. Yeah, the romance in the sequel trilogy does not make any sense. You have Rose and Finn, you have Finn and Ray, you have Ray and Kylo. You have a lot of romance that doesn't make any sense and really doesn't have either a backstory or goes anywhere. Like, Rose and Finn doesn't go anywhere except for the one kiss in The Last Jedi. For Rey and Kylo, there was nothing leading up to that kiss. There is no reason they should have kissed. The only reason they did that is for the Raylo fans. It was unnecessary. There was nothing that showed that that would mean anything to the story. There's nothing in the story that was building up to that. It just happened. That's what bugs me a lot is when movies just add a kiss in there between people who have no romantic chemistry. It's really annoying. And on top of that, you mentioned how characters were used throughout the trilogy. And I know that there have been a lot of interviews with the actors who, one, kind of went through hell on set. The racially different cast like Kelly Marie Tran, who plays Rose, and John Boyega, who plays Finn, they really went through hell on set because I don't think they were treated very well. They've told some kind of horror stories about just the things that they had to deal with on set and that they would never come back to Star Wars, which is really disappointing. And just the way that they treated, like, Rose's character, she was a really strong supporting character in Episode Eight, and basically a nobody in Episode Nine. She just disappears. She's in a couple scenes to remind us she's there, and then she's gone. It's really frustrating how these characters were just kind of forgotten about and ignored. There are story arcs. People will say that Finn had a really great story arc. It didn't go past the first movie. Like, there's nothing that grew him, and Rey is the only one who we really see grow, and that's saying something, because she did not really change that much. She was already strong with the Force at the beginning. She just learned to control it better, I guess. I don't think there's any reason to say that any of these characters developed any more than they did by the first movie. Yeah, that's interesting. I haven't actually heard that before, but I have heard, um, I can't say the guy's name, but the actor who plays Finn, uh, John Boyega, or 
however you say his last name. But I have heard that, you know, he's basically just as like, you know, I'm just going to do get my paycheck and just do it. That's all. That doesn't matter too much to me because I, I just don't care considering how they've treated my, my character that I'm playing. But you've touched on to Ray too, and people are just really, really irritated with Ray. It's interesting because I'm not necessarily a part of the Star Wars fan base or whatever. I but I am interested in it. I do like the lore and stuff. But I was on the one of the wikis on fandom, and I was basically just asking a question. Hey, you know, what do you think is gonna happen after the sequel trilogy? I'm just kind of curious uh, concerning Ray. You know, what what happens to Ray afterwards now? And most people are just like, hopefully she dies or something, because they just did not like her. Even in just that simple example, just there's so many people who just do not like Ray at all, because she's basically the epitome of a Mary Sue. Yeah, I've heard that argument a lot. Mentioned a while ago that there were a lot of plot points that were not fleshed out, and a lot of people would argue that they did not execute Chekhov's gun really well. Chekhov's gun, for those of you who don't know, is a literary device where you show or tell a part of the plot and then expand upon it later by calling back to it. Chekhov's gun is a specific uh, reference to the idea that in a play, if there's a gun in the first act, it will be used in the second or third act. It's the idea. You set up something beforehand and it's used afterwards. Like, you don't just put anything out there for no reason. Exactly. You show something and then you do something with it. If you focus a specific shot on a element of the story, there is probably good reason why you were directing attention to that. Either visually with framing something specifically so the audience can see it, or telling the audience an important element of the story that will come into play later. And there are so many times in the sequel trilogy where they just aren't expounded upon. They're shown it, and then it's gone. Like, you don't come back to it, you think it's going to be important, and it's never touched upon again. It's really frustrating. But on top of that, I have a frustration with Disney not taking risks. Sometimes they took risks in the areas where they should have been safe, and they were safe when they had to take risks. You can't be creative without taking risks, and Disney does not like taking risks. They know what draws in the money and draws in the people to see the movies, and you know what that is? Nostalgia. <laughs> You're right. It's nostalgia and cameos alongside it. Disney thinks, and they're kind of right, that if they put in a famous face, that people will come in and see it. Unfortunately, that shouldn't be the case, but it is most definitely the case. I do not like that they had to turn to three completely unrelated characters to make Boba Fett somewhat likable. If you took away Luke, Ahsoka, and Mando, that show would be unwatchable. It's pretty bad the way it is, but if you took away those three, that show would be terrible. It's because they rely so much on cameos and nostalgia to try and bring you back. That's why the first trailer of The Force Awakens had Chewie and Han in it because they knew that if they didn't relate this somehow to the nostalgia of the old movies, nobody would come see it. But now that they've promised Han and Chewie back, and then eventually they brought Luke and Leia back, now people will come and see it. But this is just a ploy to try and get people back into the theater for something they remember from the good old days and not actually new and interesting stories. And I think actually The Force Awakens is a really good example of kind of this post-Disney cynicism that has really seeped into basically every fan base, just in media in general. In like, you know, 2015, 2014, kind of around that period, we really started to get this first taste of, hey, you remember this? Well, it's back. And it's, and then people are like, oh, this is great. We're getting something new for the something old franchise. And it's terrible. And people hate it. And then soon it just it happens again and again and again and again. That's a topic for an entirely different uh, episode. But at least in Star Wars, for sure, like people like thought, oh, we get this new sequel trilogy. We're going to get new TV shows. We're going to get all this cool new stuff and admittedly some of this stuff is really interesting but especially nowadays people just look at disney and they're just kind of disappointed and cynical at anything that comes out now because of just how many franchises that it's that have been ruined by this idea of 
hey, remember this popular character? Or, hey, look at this person you know. Or, hey, remember all this cool stuff you remember? It's not even brought back well, which is even worse. There is a balance between a well-rounded cameo that is necessary to the story and one that is just shoved in there for no reason. I would say that Ahsoka in Mandalorian Season 2 was a very good cameo. It wasn't even a cameo. They were just using a very well-known character that was already established in the Clone Wars and bringing her to live action to actually play a part in the story. Like, she took Grogu so that she could train him and also bring him to Luke. But on the other hand, you have Book of Boba Fett that brings in Cad Bane. Yes, it works for the story, but he was only there so that we could get excited for the possibilities that this meant for Star Wars, when in the end, it didn't go anywhere. It was just another bad guy that if you had replaced him with a more interesting bad guy, an original bad guy, it would have been even better than just using someone from the Clone Wars and then killing him like they did. There's also a sweet spot where you can have a cameo that's good good, but doesn't add anything to the story. I think of Ponda Baba in Rogue One, where they bump into the guys that Luke and Obi-Wan meet in the bar in Mos Eisley. You bump into them, and the camera focuses on them for five seconds, and then we move on with the story. Like, I think that was a great Easter egg that didn't take up any time, and didn't add anything to the story, and it was a nod to the audience. This is the same people that we will meet in A New Hope. That's a good nod. That's why I think Rogue One was really well handled, is because it was not too reliant on old characters. It did kind of work with Grand Moff Tarkin a little bit, and people have ideas about that character being brought back with CGI. It's worth discussion. Yeah, it's a tricky thing, but there's definitely a good way to handle it, and it is a bit subjective to a degree. I mean, I definitely say that for pretty much most of the movies that came out. I think Rogue One is like the only really actual movie that people have liked since the Disney got Star Wars. I don't think people even like Solo really that much. I I can't say because I haven't watched it, but I think that kind of speaks to the idea of why people really got so irritated is because first off, you shouldn't always be relying on just old stuff that happened. You need to be creative. You need to make something new. And it's even more terrible when you bring something back and bring it back in such a way that it's even worse and it just ruins everything and you just really really hate it because you're seeing things that you used to love being destroyed that's just happened so many times with just all sorts of other franchises that people have really grown cynical and that's just what's happened to star wars people are just really really so vented up and frustrated because it just ever since the forest awakens has come out we've kind of been getting non-stop star wars stuff and a lot of it has been pretty bad well back to what you were saying about bringing things back and then ruining them this is a big topic for discussion is this character of luke skywalker and a lot of people especially mark hamill mark hamill hates how luke skywalker was handled in the sequel trilogy he knows the character of luke obviously because he played him in the original trilogy but he told jj and ryan this is not the same luke skywalker luke skywalker was the optimistic find the good in every everybody. That's why he found the good in Vader and turned him back right before he died. And yet he sensed a little bit of darkness in Kylo Ren and he wanted to kill him. That is completely counter character of what he was in the original trilogy. The movie writers did not understand Luke. They just wrote him that way because they needed him to. And yet there was a better way to write the story. And I found a really good video by A Closer Look who, again, does video essays, love video essays. He's a writer and he basically rewrote the sequels into something that would be a lot better. So go watch that video i'll link it in the description but yeah i think that's a really good point and i've even heard it said that if you look at luke and han solo those are two good examples of two different reactions to characters and how they change and how you bring them back han solo basically doesn't seem to have changed which is odd because you know 
we kind of see his change from, you know, I only care about myself, it's just me against everyone else, versus someone who starts to care about his friends and is willing to do stuff and die for them by the end of, this, of the trilogy. And he, he even marries Leia and stuff. And so you would have expected he would have changed, but when we, when we see him again, he doesn't seem to have, and it's, it's jarring to a degree. But the reverse has basically happened to Luke Skywalker, who has changed so much that we just don't even recognize him anymore. And he also changes within the trilogy itself. In episode 8, when we meet him, he's reclusive, kind of bitter, a hermit, and then he says, you know, the jet, it's time for the Jedi to die. And then episode nine comes out and he's like, nope, um, I was wrong. Um, yeah, it's time for us to come back. You're the one, Ray. You can do it. I was wrong. Yeah, it's just an inconsistency with the character that's frustrating to watch. You also mentioned a while ago, Rogue One and Solo. Those were interesting because we had never seen a spinoff of Star Wars yet. That was Those were our first. Solo was a little iffy on how it was received. We didn't need all that backstory to Han, like how he got his dice and how he got his last name. No one asked for that. But it wasn't terrible. I don't think it was as bad as the sequels. I appreciated how they brought Darth Maul back at least for a little bit, but that had hasn't gone anywhere and there were a lot of frustrations with that movie but i don't think it was terrible rogue one one of the best star wars movies we've gotten i would say the best star wars movies we've gotten since disney bought lucasfilm it was gritty it showed what normal people thought it was fixing a plot hole kind of from a new hope like why is there just a hole that we can shoot down and blow up the entire death star it's because it was designed that way i like i kind of like that it also was the first movie that brought a animated character saw Gerrera, into live action i appreciated that just kind of connecting those two it's the same story just different ways to be told and it also set up andor which is crazy that we got a spin-off of a spin-off of a third supporting character what on earth why are we watching this and yet andor is one of the best things we've gotten out of star wars since probably the original trilogy or even the prequels depending on if you're a prequel lover or hater and we'll do a whole episode on andor in a couple weeks but i think it's crazy that when you explore topics such as a direct prequel to a new hope literally minutes before a new hope starts and then you spin off of the spin off and go explore this other character and the dark grittiness of that it hits and it works and i don't understand why disney aren't using rogue one and andor as a template for how they proceed with star wars yeah that, that is actually really interesting i think this is kind of a bit of a phenomenon of it's a lot easier to expand in and fill the holes in a story already established than it is to make something new and make it work or to extend something and make it work to go forward and make make a new story based off an original idea and still make that really coherent. And and it's also interesting too because I think that one of the reasons Rogue One works so well is because it's a bit of a more ordinary perspective compared to kind of like the, the high opera high space opera feel of the original trilogy where we focus on these big characters. These are some not simple but kind of uh, more familiar characters in a setting we already know. But it's a setting that's been well established until they're able to expand it. The thing that sets Star Wars apart from something like Star Trek. Usually there's a, there's kind of a rivalry between the two. It's more silly than actual rivalry, but something like Star Trek is very pristine and professional and they have these, you know, jumpsuits for their outfits and they their ships are nice and shiny. Star Wars is about the commoner and the dirt and the grime of the galaxy and how everything kind of falls apart and the Millennium Falcon is a hunk of junk and it just means more to us the commoner, quote unquote, to see see Star Wars being the story of a commonplace person 
rather than a higher up person. And this doesn't really relate to the sequels. I'm just talking about why people really love Star Wars and why I think that Andor and Rogue One really hit with us is because they were executed well to the point where we related to the people who are commoners in those worlds and them becoming heroes of the movie. That's kind of what we want from a movie is to make us feel like we could do that and bring us into a world where the average person can do great things. Exactly. And I think going back to the idea of the vision or having a clear vision, I think presumably Rogue One and a lot of the pretty much the only good stuff we've gotten from Disney Star Wars is stuff that's set in the the prequel originals uh, period is because having the we have this vision of what Star Wars is. We already know what to do. We just need to fill in the gaps. So for Rogue One, we have this clear vision, or relatively speaking, you know, we need to get to this certain point. We've already got the end established. Now we just need to work on how we get there. I think that's a lot easier than, all right, original trilogy, where do we go from here? And I don't know, actually, why don't we just kind of right now kind of just look at everything that's kind of come out since Disney got Star Wars and just kind of see what we like. Because I know that Rebels came out and a lot of people like that. I watched that when I was a little, for a little bit. And I've seen like the, the first and third and fourth season and those were pretty good uh we got rogue one which was good solo which i hear is fine uh, i think a couple of the tv shows like mandalorian is is really good book of boba fett not so much um i don't know what else is there that we've kind of gotten that you can kind of rank there's some filler ones there was star wars visions which was a kind of anime style star wars it didn't really tell a story it was a cool way to keep things in the star wars universe but also give those anime fans a kind of stylized version of jedi there is the bad batch that came out that was kind of filling in after clone wars i have not watched that yet but I hear it's pretty good. We also got Clone Wars Season 7, which a lot of people were really happy about. But that that's, was, again, filler right up to Episode 6. Yeah, I think that was a great addition to the entire saga is Dave Filoni seeing that, you know, the Clone Wars is loved. We can expand on it even more. There's still a little bit of time between the last season that we made and the next episode, which would be Episode 3. And so they added an another season. And I think that was a great call on his part to make probably one of the best received seasons out of all the Clone Wars. And there's a lot of technical things that I would want to talk about, but maybe I'll save that for a future Clone Wars episode. And then there was Kenobi. You didn't mention Kenobi. That has a lot of mixed feelings. The layman will really love that movie because they don't know what they're missing. And then the harsh film critic will say that they did not like it. I fall into the harsh film critic category. It was kind of a letdown. We'll talk about it in a little bit. As we wrap up talking about the sequels, I want to say that Star Wars is no longer made for the Star Wars nerd. It is made for the basic moviegoer who sees that there's nothing really better to watch than Star Wars. They go to the theater, they're like, hmm, let's see Star Wars. And the Star Wars nerd goes to the movie and maybe gets a little bit of a cameo, a little bit of nostalgia. They say it's great, but then you realize that there was no world building. You look back on the sequels and you realize that, yes, there may have been literal world building as in certain new planets like Jakku and Cantobite and the salt planet but they're still just ripoffs of the original trilogy Jakku is just Tatooine there's nothing that sets it apart and the salt planet just looks exactly the same as Hoth it just says it's salt it's not actually snow what makes a movie good at world building is that you think that there's more to the story after the camera shuts off that's what George Lucas did really well that's why there are encyclopedias and backstories and books to 
everything that happens in the Star Wars universe. Yes, a lot of it is made up for fun, but when you watch A New Hope and you wonder what does moisture farmers do, you know that Luke is a moisture farmer and yet you don't know anything about it. You know that there's more to that story. In the prequels, when you go to Naboo and you see all of the Gungans and you're like, they have a whole civilization. There's more to be explored. There's not really that feeling in the sequels. It just feels like that set exists for the story and nothing more than that. And that's why I think The Lord of the Rings is so good is because the books, when J.R.R. Tolkien wrote them, he wrote the world first. He created the world, the species, the languages, all of that first, and then wrote a story around that. That's why it's so beloved is because the world building is extraordinary. Yeah, I think it's a pretty good description. I mean, there's there's so much about the sequels that we can go into, but it's kind of interesting that they're really the only big main thing we've gotten that goes beyond the original trilogy. And since Disney's got Star Wars, they've just been pumping it to an excessive amount where there's always something new coming out. But uh, a lot of the new stuff is actually just filler for the old. It's even more nostalgic. It's Clone Wars. And uh, actually, I think we kind of started talking about a lot of the Disney Plus shows that have just been coming out. The problem with franchises now is that Marvel took a big risk releasing so many movies back to back to back. And it used to be two movies a year, and I think that's all right. But their ambition has become so big that they have to release multiple things a year whether it's shows or movies, and it's becoming overwhelming. We'll talk about that in a future Marvel episode. But Star Wars is falling prey to this as well. There are no good Disney Plus shows coming out because they have no strong foundation. They're just fluff that they're pumping out so that we can have Star Wars every month. Like, something new every other month. They're just pumping it out so that we can feel like they're doing something. I have two opinions. One, we do not need constant stimulation from these movies and these studios saying, oh yeah, we're still here because there's a frustration that we need something constantly. And this is something that society has fallen short on in the last couple years is that we need to constantly be stimulated and never have a dull moment. If they skip a year and don't release anything Star Wars, then we'll actually be asking, is Star Wars dead? Like, are they actually going to make anything else? But they need to keep up this mentality that we constantly need something. And it's really hurting them because it's quantity over quality. It's really bad shows being pumped out faster so that we get that Star Wars feeling, but it's not good. It's not quality. And I think Disney Plus and streaming services have killed Hollywood because you have the feeling that you need to stretch it out over 9, 12 episodes, and yet these things could have easily been movies. Kenobi really should have been a movie. Mandalorian, I think, works well as a TV show, but I think you could have made that into a movie as well. I think the way that things are being developed as shows instead of movies is not the way to go. Like I said, Kenobi could have easily been a movie, but because they felt the need to make it a Disney Plus show, they had to expand parts of the story and just fill it with fluff so that you could make six 40-minute episodes rather than one two-hour movie. Like, there was enough content that you could have made Kenobi into a movie and released it in theaters rather than filled it with fluff and expanded it over six weeks. But the streaming services need people to be subscribing. That's how they make money. I mean, it's a business move. It's a marketing move. You can't just release something on your platform so that people can buy a free trial, watch it, not get any of their money, and then leave and make no money from it. Like, I understand the business part of it, but it's really crappy way to get your fans to come to your platform and continue to pay for it and wait for it each week just to have disappointment again and to have a really poorly written show and have it full of fluff. I would say that Hollywood hasn't died. It's just developed into a different state, a state which we don't really like. And that's, this is again, lots of the stuff we can and probably will expound on future episodes and future topics and stuff. But at least for Star Wars, I think a very good description for a lot of fans and people just in general, because 
just of how much we've been getting. A lot of people are starting to get this opinion. Disney doesn't know when to stop, and that's enough. It's okay. We don't need to have something all the time. If you look at the history of Star Wars, we've got the original trilogy, lots of canon expansion. There's something called the Legends universe now. There's books, comics, a little bit of video games, lots of stuff that was expanded over many decades. Then you got the original prequel trilogy, or sorry, you have the prequel trilogy in the 2000s. That was big buzz. There's a lot of stuff expanded after that, and things were relatively pretty quiet. Disney comes along and boom, we've just been getting Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars ever since and it's just not stopped and it's kind of like a little bit of burnout just in general but in star wars in particular and even with like the good shows like the mandalorian people have like andor people are liking apparently it's still to the fact that okay this is good but do we need this that's a good question do we need this part of the story to be expanded or is it just a money grab yeah i'm thinking of what's the one studio c skit where they basically talking about star wars in 2050 and how people are looking at one picture from that one scene in the sixth episode where you know the emperor is coming back and there's that whole line of stormtroopers and they're saying we've made tv shows and movies and films about every single one of these characters and it's it's kind of descriptive and prophetic because disney is getting to the point where they can't make anything new that's good they tried with the sequel trilogy it didn't go well and now they're just trying to expand the only good stuff they've had has been things filling out the old lore filling out some gaps but they're getting to the point where it's just we don't need to know the details of every single character and you don't have to cameo every single character you don't have to have a backstory for every single stormtrooper and little guy and a random person who was in a a clip for one second yeah i love that studio c skit like you said it was kind of prophetic they think they need to make a backstory to every single side character and as much as that's satire it's very true the new disney star wars cannot make a new thing well and take a character that george lucas created and expound upon it usually pretty poorly the only difference is and Andor, in my opinion. And again, like I said, we have a future episode coming out on it, but Andor is a spinoff of a spinoff. And the thing that those two had in relation was independent control by the directors. And I think that is what is key. Disney does not have any original ideas. And I say that very generally because Disney obviously can't have ideas. It's a, it's a company. But the people working for Disney, the people they put in charge of these movies, just are expounding upon George Lucas's original creative ideas, and yet they're not coming up with anything new or interesting. Like, let's talk about Book of Boba Fett, for example. Yeah, book Boba Fett I mean I haven't watched it but I think that's a good example of did we really need this I mean it's it's if it's executed well okay that's that's a good story but did we really need to know what happened to Boba Fett afterwards like we knew who he kind of was he was this clone he would expand upon a little bit in the original or the prequel trilogy he dies in the Sarlacc pick or at least people presumed he did but then actually found out you know he didn't but whatever okay I, I think the general consensus was okay he's out there so what but did we really need to have this entire episode, uh, entire TV show dedicated dedicated to this character uh, who basically takes over Kappa's position and all sorts of stuff? I think they had some good ideas in it, but did we really need this? Was yeah. it absolutely necessary when you said you could have made something new, something creative, something different? something brilliant yeah i think he was a good cameo in the mandalorian at the end of season two but i do not think that we needed a whole series about him many people are invested in his story because he is an interesting character at least the lore but the way they expanded his story in the series was totally unnecessary some of the worst star wars that i've seen especially things like the speeder bike chase just terrible to watch and the fact that they changed the last three episodes basically into the mandalorian season two and a half is crazy to me 
that they that they realized that his character was so boring they had to bring in basically the main character of the entire show like the last three episodes of boba fett were decent at best because it had mando in it the second to last episode barely had boba fett in it like it was ahsoka and luke and grogu and mando there was no reason to make this show and it was very disappointing especially when they're trying to shove cameos down our throats like those characters in Cad Bane and Black Chrysanthemum. They are trying to distract the viewer from the really terrible story that they wrote by all these cameos saying, oh, look at this. You like this, don't you? You like, you like, it's, it's dangling keys in front of a baby. Like, oh, look at this. Look at this shiny thing. You like this. And the baby's going, goo goo gaga. I love that. And the actual story is garbage. I do want to ask you though, how many of the Disney Plus shows have you seen? None. I don't have Disney. Well, no, actually, no, I don't have Disney Plus. I think my, my family does, but I've just never really been, I've never, as I said before at the beginning, I'm not super big into Star Wars. And after like the like original sequel trilogy came out, I was like, yeah, I can kind of tell where this is all going. It doesn't really matter to me. I, I sort of know. I don't, I just didn't have enough energy and effort to invest myself into the Disney Plus shows. I just didn't care. That's fair. That's fair. Which I think that really kind of drives my entire feelings towards Star Wars in general, especially now. It's not quite super cynical, but it's more the fact that, man, I just, man, I can, I mean, I can, actually, I think this is a good way to kind of talk about initial reactions versus later uh kind of thinking about it like when you first watched uh the force awakens did you really like it like were you like wow this is really cool yeah yeah i i have a bad habit of watching something for the first time really enjoying it and then looking back on it and realizing how bad it was like i did that when i watched eternals i did that when i watched doctor strange all of the sequels i kind of liked book of boba fett for a while and then i realized that it was pretty bad like those things I have a bad tendency to enjoy them initially and then realize how bad they are. So a lot of people really liked The Mandalorian. I appreciated it for the technological advancement of the virtual production and the volume stage that they created for this so that you can film things using Unreal Engine and these wraparound screens that make it a lot cheaper to film movies. And I talked about this a little bit in last week's episode where it is a lot cheaper to make these movies on the virtual production set. It gives people who work on 3D environments more jobs because you are now creating the world around the person as you're filming like you can change things on a whim i think this technology they've created is really good but the mandalorian feels like it's being filmed in a box because it is like everything feels so enclosed and tight even though you may have a really expansive environment on the screens you can still tell that it's not filmed on location and that's what's frustrating is that a lot of these films just feel so small or like a expensive fan film or even a really cheap fan film in some cases it just doesn't feel grand anymore except again andor i mentioned this in last week's episode andor films on location and it just feels so grand and big there's nothing like it it just feels like star wars it feels like it's real because it is and as much as the virtual production can replicate reality and make production a lot cheaper it is not what star wars needs it is enclosing star wars in a space that limits their ability to make a connection with the audience and make them go wow now it makes me go wow because i love the technological advance of that way of producing things but it has an effect on the viewer i don't appreciate that technology advancing is cutting off the viewer from a feeling that they have about the movie which is really ironic because it's the intention of technology to make the the, that feel even better that's just the reliance of cgi that has grown you talked about this in the maverick episode josh how maverick feels really cool because they used actual jets and like a a lot of on-set stuff 
and CGI is very powerful, and you you will attest to this because that's kind of your kind of your thing with the animation. But especially with like real real life acting stuff, a lot of people have just kind of tired of the CGI reliance. Now I know you haven't really been keeping up with the Disney Plus shows, but I want to talk about Kenobi for a little bit and how. It was very disappointing to a lot of people, but also really rewarding to a lot of others. It had its moments. This is one of those shows that falls under the bad movies slash shows with good moments. It was really poorly made. And the more I think about it, the more it irks me to think about certain scenes that are just garbage. Like, they're really badly written. And I don't know how this got past Disney executives who are supposed to make good movies, But it's pretty obvious that just because you have a name like Disney slapped on your show or movie, it does not mean it's good. In fact, it's the opposite now, is that you're almost expected to be bad. The fact that episode 4 of Kenobi was written by apparently people with the IQ of 20 irks me to the core. The whole episode 4 of Kenobi felt like a fever dream. Like, when they're trying to escape with Leia, Obi-Wan just has her under his cloak, and there's a big lump. Like, nobody thinks that's suspicious. The most wanted man in the Empire right at that point just snuck in by swimming underwater. Like, they could have had a whole heist scene of him figuring out how to get into Fortress Inquisitorius. What kind of genius thought of that name, by the way? There's so much wrong with this episode, specifically, and I could go on about that, and there's plenty of videos going on about that. That was really what a lot of people took as the last straw for Star Wars. Like, that episode specifically, where it was so poorly written, it made no sense. It's very frustrating to watch Kenobi. And yet, there were some moments that were redeeming. Hayden Christensen coming back was a good play, but at the same time, he's under a mask the whole time, and you can't tell if he's the body double or Hayden. Yeah, that's pretty interesting, because I have, like, no experience with Kenobi. I just know generally what it's about. But I have heard some very interesting things. I heard this really good quote by this one guy who was critiquing the show, and he basically said that only Disney can make Vader seem like an idiot, a buffoon, and a badass in one minute. (laughs) Yep, that pretty much sums up Darth Vader's story arc in Kenobi. Because I hear a lot of, like, really interesting things, like, uh, like the one scene where his mask is kind of torn, and he, and he, like, it filters filters between Anakin's voice and Vader's voice and says, you know, you didn't kill Anakin Skywalker, Obi-Wan, I killed him. That sounds pretty cool. And, you know, I hear stuff about Vader ripping down doors and bringing down ships because he's just so angry at Kenobi. But at the same time, I think this TV show is a really good example of, did we really need this? Did we really need to hear about Kenobi's story after uh, episode three? I don't really think so, because we know how he ends up. Yeah, I hear you, but I also think that it could have been really well made. It had a lot of potential. It could have been really good. And yet, they dropped the ball. If you had told me that either Kenobi or Andor was going to carry the Star Wars franchise into the next phase, I would have told you Kenobi because it's the one of the main characters. Like I said, he was one of the main characters from the prequels, and yet they dropped the ball on it in a terrible way. Like, yes, you're hearing these things secondhand, but I, I can say firsthand that Darth Vader's monologue when his helmet was sliced open, really, really well done. They cut between James Earl Jones and Hayden Christensen speaking and just that emphasizes the duality between Anakin fighting for what he believes is true and Darth Vader who has succumbed to the dark side. That scene specifically was really well made. But besides that, there is not a lot in Kenobi that I can praise. Like I said about the other show, it seems like a high-budget fan film. The whole thing is very forgetful. It's not very memorable. The setting for the epic showdown that we were so excited for, so disappointing. Like, just the whole thing. I I can keep going on. The whole show is very disappointing. And the way they wrote it, Vader seems to have lost IQ points in between episode three and episode four. Like, he is supposed to be the most terrifying villain of all movie history. 
and we got a glance of that in Rogue One. Like, his his bloodthirsty willing to just kill anyone is shown really well in something like Rogue One. And yet, I can keep saying it's disappointing. Kenobi was really disappointing. That's all I have to say. Let's leave it at that. The only other things I have to say about the Star Wars franchise at the moment is Andor. Again, I'm going to talk about this in a couple weeks with Isaac Schmutzer, my good friend who has a lot to say about this. I think it was a really good show that, again, had complete creative control by the director, but we'll talk about that later and why it's so good. The second part I wanted to talk about is the animated shows, mostly headed up by Jon Favreau and Dave Filoni. Those guys know how to do Star Wars. They kind of dropped the ball for the few episodes they directed of Book of Boba Fett, but I don't think those were their fault. Besides that, Mandalorian, Bad Batch, Clone Wars, Rebels, all really iconic for the Star Wars franchise at the moment, and they know what the future of Star Wars is. They know what the fans want, and I wish that they had more opportunities to do things, and I hope that they continue to grow the Mandalorian into more than just a cameo-driven story. They know how to write an original story. They know how to expand the universe while not ruining something that George Lucas created. As for the future of Star Wars, I really want Ahsoka to be a really good show. Mando Season 3 will probably be really hit or miss. The Acolyte sounds really promising. That's probably the first thing we're going to get outside of kind of the bookends of A Phantom Menace and The Rise of Skywalker. Like, we kind of have that area of story that we've been staying inside. But The Acolyte was going to go back to the High Republic, and I think that would be really cool to see. Where we're at with Star Wars right now is really disappointing. I've said this multiple times. John Favreau and Dave Filoni, kind of the forefront of Star Wars, the good Star Wars, and also the direction that Andor is going, is kind of the only hope. Right now, John Favreau, Dave Filoni, and Tony Gilroy have a vision for Star Wars. They know what fans want. They know what will make the big bucks. I wish they would just let these guys have it and run with it, but I don't think that's the case. All of this is leading up to the big question, is Star Wars dead? Will, is Star Wars dead? I mean, at this point, as I said before at the beginning, I'd say that the core is dead yes because people just it's it's become marvelized you could say where it's it's kind of lost its heart and it's just i i think at least i kind of give two things i think first off what i think the future of star wars is going to be like is kind of what we've been getting lots just more and more and more pumping out until it becomes too much and people say that's enough we don't want anymore and i'm i kind of disappointed about that and i think but what i think the future should be about is less about putting out all this stuff i think we could use a well-deserved break for the franchise personally but even if they keep on doing stuff just remember the core what is star wars about it's about family it's about what george lucas wrote about it's about these ideas you know like of, it's it's got some politics into there it's about good and evil and about dark and light and balance and the force and things like that and we have to remember why we're why we watch these movies and why they're being made and I'd say at this point, yeah, the Star Wars franchise is maybe not so much dead, but it's it's getting old. It's been it's been it's doing too much in its old age. It needs to take some time to take a breather, to take a break, to do some meditative healing, you know, stuff like that. Just time to do some uh, It needs a rest, I'd say. I really like that description. You d- you nailed that. I do not think it's dead, but I would agree with you that it's getting old and it's doing too much. It had its glory days in the original trilogy. I think that is obvious to everyone. The prequels, obviously still under George Lucas. They were a flop at first, but they're slowly becoming beloved again, and I think that's really great. But the way Disney directed the sequels and these new Disney Plus TV shows, I believe is going in the wrong direction, unless it is headed up by the proper director. And even so, it is losing fans at an incredible rate. They need to change something or else Star Wars will be dead in a few years. I don't think anything can top the original trilogy. 
and they're trying so hard to do that. But I really think the mistakes they have made in the past couple years has really taken a hit, and it will take a lot for people to come back to the franchise, watch Andor, and see how good Star Wars could be. But even so, one of the biggest franchises in cinema history is slowly dying, and it's very difficult to watch. But with that said, I don't know what more can be done besides making sure the proper person is in charge and making sure we get quality stories. Yeah, and I actually, you know, think about it, maybe I should amend my uh, previous rhetoric before. Star Wars is something incredible, and I think it can still be something incredible, but I think one of the great failures of modern cinema is to accept the fact that some things need to end. Not everything needs to go on. And I think Star Wars can have a great end. It can have like this really powerful impact for generations, but I think it's also the fact that maybe we need Instead of looking towards the past, we need to look towards the future and to build something new that's even better than this. I think that's the lesson we can learn is that maybe the best <laughs> the best things need to come to an end and maybe Disney shouldn't have continued on with the story. There's no turning back now, but I want to see a franchise, a modern franchise, stop and just finish. Movie studios are so money hungry that it is financially a bad idea to stop making movies. And yet, that overwhelmingly takes over the feeling of just finishing a saga and leaving it. There should be more value in finishing a saga well than continuing it on forever. Right now, I can never see Star Wars, Marvel ending their movie-making endeavors. It is disappointing that they can't come to a conclusion and just leave it at that. I don't know what the future will look like. I'm glad that I'm this young that I will be able to see how these movies develop in 60 years. Like I will hopefully one day be 80 and be able to look back on my current feelings about this. And especially like now we have a podcast, like I can look back on this episode in 60 years and think this is what I thought back then. And this is where I'm at now. Like I will be able to do that. And I think that will be so interesting for me for anyone to come back and listen to our thoughts now in 2022 versus what will happen in 60 years from now. And where these franchises are when that time rolls around. But with that said, I think we're going to wrap it up. Unlike Star Wars and Disney can do for themselves, we're going to wrap up this episode. Thank you, Will, for joining me once again. It's been a really good discussion with you about how Star Wars has fallen off, but yet how we can recover it. Yeah, this has been a blast as always. I always love talking with you and you know the rest of the, rest of the gang. But yeah, it's, it's a bit of a bittersweet, and I think we can have a lot of fu- many future discussions about other franchises, but also the state of modern cinema and i think there is a lot of cause for some cynicism nowadays but at the same time i always still have some hope and i am sure that one day somehow we're going to get something new and something great yeah so it's been a really fun time doing this it's been my pleasure to talk with you seth so yeah i got nothing else to say perfect thank you guys so much for listening we have a big announcement coming next week something huge that we've been planning for a little bit so stay tuned for that also i want to let you know that we have other co-hosts that we're going to bring on josh and will are not the only friends that i have there are other people that i'm friends with who want to do episodes we just haven't gotten to them yet we got some really fun stuff planned we have a big announcement next week for something that we have ready for christmas so stay tuned for that please check out our discord where we have good discussion on the episodes that we release each week follow our instagram where we have some cool memes 
and just announcements about when episodes go live. Share this with your friends. Follow us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Amazon Music, anywhere you get your podcast, you can listen. If you enjoy this, please share it with your friends. I'm sure they'll enjoy it too. Yeah, we definitely want to keep on growing our community and reaching out, talking with new, uh, talking and meeting with new people. So please feel free to share and talk about this and uh, talk with us too as well. Yeah, the whole point of this podcast was to encourage discussion among a community and I really want to have as many people a part of it as possible. So join our social media pages, both Discord and Instagram. We got some great people on there, some good discussion we'll have. With that said, thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Have a good day. Peace. See you later, guys. Thank you.